You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week we have our first new Bond as the world discovers George Lazenby in 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Welcome, everybody. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited. Welcome, oh, yeah. everybody, to episode 11, episode 1 mm-hmm. 1 of one, the Bonzilla podcast. I am Nick. 107. I'm Will. Hey, and Willow 7. We're back for another Bond yes. adventure. Uh, James, James Bond, um, fresh out of the uh, comics of cons. Um, and fresh out of announcement that the next James yes, Bond film is going to be coming out in 2019, and it's looking very likely that uh, Craig is going to be returning for one more film. Mm-hmm. I was actually reading this morning about the uh, rumored directors for the picture, so we'll see who... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was interesting. De- Den- uh, Denny Villeneuve, or as I like to call Dennis Vanilla, is on yeah. that list. Um, and the Hello High Water guy? Uh, no, 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 Nolan. Nolan's. No, but Nolan, Nolan said specifically that uh, he'd only do a Bond film if it was like a reinvention. Right. So I don't think right. he's gonna. Like, if it would be the next Bond, like yeah. the next new Bond, probably. I don't. I don't see him doing doing a Craig Bond because that's Fair. not really a reinvention Fair at enough. this point. Fair enough. Uh, and when, when's that supposed to come out? Uh, November 2019. Yeah. So I think we can uh, guarantee that that will be Craig's last Bond. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, if yeah, if he comes back, it's just the rumor at this point. Nothing's but, uh, been confirmed. We have Craig coming back for a new, for possibly his last Bond, uh, and then as we get into this one, um, we, uh, well, it. I was gonna say we with this one, the last one was Connery's last Bond, but it wasn't. So my yeah. joke doesn't work. No, it um, doesn't. So anyway, let's uh, talk about but, this Bond but movie. It is a big deal because uh, with you know, with obviously we one of the traditions of the Bond franchise is having different Bonds and new Bonds. So this is the first time we're going to be talking about a a, a different Bond brand over the new contest. Bond. It's right, a brand so, new day, a brand new Bond. So we are talking about today 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. based on the book by Ian Fleming, as they usually are. Um, as a, as a little, uh, Honor Majesty Secret Service was actually the first Bond book that was written after the film series had begun, uh, and it kind of had little digs at the kind of the, 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 uh, little digs and tributes to the, um, the film versions of Bond in terms of the gadgets and the characters that had appeared in those films. Uh, so our director for this movie is Peter R. Hunt, which is our name you'll recognize if you've listened to all our episodes. Uh, former editor hero of From Rush With Love. The reason he got this job was that he was also called in to be the hero editor of uh, You Only Live Twice. And he had been an s- assistant director on uh, some of the Bond films. He was assistant directing on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And he said that he would only fix the editing in You Only Live Twice if he got to direct the next Bond picture. And they made that agreement. So now Peter R. Hunt is in the director's chair. Uh, I saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You did yeah, in uh in on stage, Ooh. like a Broadway. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not a Broadway because it was in London. I saw it. Yeah, the so uh, it's West Lond- End. West End. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say London Way, <laughs> Broadway London yeah, Way. It's West End. Broadway Narrow Way. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So actually, he brought a lot. Of <laughs> the, okay. He, he brought a lot of the crew that he worked with on Titty Chitty Bang Bang uh, to work on this new Bond, including the car. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Car, he, but he got cars, cut out from yeah, the uh, final. Cars <laughs> hidden in the background somewhere. <laughs> They're like, it's like, all right, what's the scene where uh, you know Bond, uh, you know, he flies away with his lovely bride at the end of the day, and then. The, the wings pop out and they're and all of course, like uh, chitty Van- chitty bon bon chitty chitty bon, <laughs> bon of course Dick Van Dyke was originally scheduled to play Bond ah oh, yeah actually I, I could kind of I could kind of see that like if you were gonna do With like a more really bad like Mary Poppins Cockney accent yeah, yeah Mary but, Poppins is one of my favorite films of all time but that accent is but if you hysterical. did like kind of like a silly ber- version of Bond I can see I can see him doing it yeah yeah all right but uh, for real though uh, so obviously they've got the director they've got um, you know, Richard Maybaum, who had written all the films except for You Only Live Twice, uh, he's back writing the film. Um, and they're deciding now what they're going to do because they have to cast a new Bond. Right. So um, at this point, Craig, Connery's out. Connery he's, is he's out. Just, like, yeah, they... they so they, is it just, of, it's just simple as he was done with it, finished You Only Live Twice, yeah, and so it's like... Yeah, he, he he's said, like, I'm done. At the end, uh, during only Live, You Only Live Twice, he decided, I'm done. They fixed the contract so he didn't have to do another film. Mm-hmm. And so basically when they started production on the next one, it was going to be a clean sweep. W- was there such thing as like actor contracts for like franchises like this? Or was that yes. kind of like... Yes, and we'll actually talk about okay. that a little bit later. Right. But basically, as I said last time, Connery was, was contracted for um, a six-film contract. Oh, okay. All right. Um, That's a lot. And then he quit after the fifth one, so mm-hmm. uh, he was contracted to do one more. They decided not to right. have to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were trying to figure out what way they wanted to do the new Bond. And uh, one of the things we've also talked about a lot is how Honor Majesty's Secret Service has always been delayed. It was supposed to be after Goldfinger, then it was supposed to be after Thunderball. Mm-hmm. There was a chance it was going to be delayed again because one of the initial ideas was to go with an original Bond idea, which was to cast Roger Moore and do the latest Bond book, Man with the Golden Gun. Um, but uh, they wanted the film Man with the Golden Gun in Cambodia, and Cambodia was having some um, political uprisings at mm-hmm. the time, so they decided to scratch that. And also Roger Moore decided to do more of his TV series, The Saints, so they took that off the table. Uh, also, a very young Timothy Dalton was also asked oh, to really? be Bond at That's this time. Funny. But uh, the Timothy Dalton was only 22 at this time, and he is a, a noted fan of the Bond books, and he felt that he wasn't ready as an actor, mm-hmm. and he felt that the Bond character should be older. Uh, Which is ironic, because he is an actor, and uh, he is quite older now. Now, yes. When, yeah. he, when, he, when, he, when he eventually does Bond, he fits both of those qualities. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so from there, they, they do a discussion of kind of what kind of Bond do they really want. And there was some discussions of kind of modernizing it a little bit more, uh, doing kind of a six, you know, more of the kind of into the 70s, kind of that era. But they decided at the end of the day that they basically wanted another Sean Connery if they could. Uh, and so initially they went out and kind of did the same thing as they did with Sean, just trying to find young up and coming actors who didn't have a lot of credits to their name. Maybe we're doing a couple things. Not a lot of big names from other than the two future Bonds were kind of interviewed. Uh, and this brings us to Mr. George Lazenby. Uh, Lazenby was a former car salesman from Australia. He is still to this day the only Bond that was uh, born and raised outside of the United Kingdom uh, or Europe at all. Um, and he had moved to the UK to become a male model. Mm-hmm. He he had found some success as a model. He was the 1966 
top model of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was most famous for a commercial uh, call uh, for Big Fry Chocolate, where he carried a giant chocolate bar around and gave it to people on the beach. Uh, he was very recognizable from that commercial. It was one that was played all the time on British television. And that's where he kind of got noticed uh, from the Bond producers who at least inquired about him potentially getting him a screen test because they were just going all over the place. Uh, so Lazenby's agent calls him, calls Lazenby and says they, they might be interested uh, for you and the uh, Bond picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you would work for it. And Lazenby's like, why? It's like, oh, you're arrogance. You're arrogance. <laughs> uh, which is something that will come up a little bit later. That, that kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, of uh, uh, in in a recent one, it's just funny. Like you go up to actors, like for those honest things, like mm-hmm. when they uh, when Affleck uh, was uh, um, first come to uh, be Batman in these yeah. new movies, and then like the joke was always, it's like, well, it's like you know, it's like we're we're trying to cast a Batman who's like you know old and jaded and at the end of his rope, and I just think like you you embody all of that, yeah. Ben. <laughs> and then and then mu- and much like uh, Lazenby, it may seem that Ben is not long for for the role. <laughs> <laughs> um. So now B is kind of like, this is my big chance, mm-hmm. you know. So he decides he's got to go all out for this. So he goes to the same tailor that Sean Connery used for all his Bond suits. Right. And says, I need a suit. And the tailor's like, I need, oh, sorry, uh, B says, I need a suit like Sean Connery. And the tailor's like, well, you know, it takes like six weeks for us to make a suit. Mm-hmm. But Sean Connery didn't pick up one of his suits for You Only Live Twice, so <laughs> if, if you want it, it's yours. That's funny. And basically, Lazenby said that all he needed to do was kind of roll, roll down the sleeves, and he fit it perfectly. Okay. Uh, so he also got a watch similar to Connery's, and actually, he also went to the same place that Connery got all of his haircuts and got told me, give me the Sean Connery haircut. As it was happened, Cubby Broccoli was getting a haircut at the exact same time. This was the first time he saw saw Lazenby, mm-hmm. uh, and basically he said he thought to himself, "Oh, that guy would make a good, you know, that's Lazenby. He'd make a good Bond," but didn't say anything to him at the time. He's like, "That's our Bond." If this was like Hollywood, yeah. it'd be like, "That's our Bond." That's our Bond. Um, so then uh, Lazenby goes to the uh, the Eon production offices, but he doesn't have an interview scheduled yet. So essentially, he sneaks past the receptionist uh while she's kind of busy to to run upstairs to get to the offices to get get a casting call mm-hmm. um and he appears at harry saltzman's desk and harry saltzman does recognize lazenby as one of the ones they're interested in i don't know if La- if saltzman knew they didn't have an interview scheduled or if he's like oh maybe maybe they just scheduled an interview without my knowledge but basically what happens is saltzman is on the phone in a meeting but he tells lazenby to sit down and Lazenby, in a power move, decides not to sit down. Mm-hmm. And Saltzman, like, immediately straightens up and, like, basically, like, I'm going to call you back. And that Lazenby says that probably got him respect for not, not, not going what the man said. Right. Know? So they do the interview and they talk it out a little bit. And Saltzman point blankly asks if, if Lazenby's ever acted before. And Lazenby admits that he has never actually acted uh, and Saltzman is kind of shocked that like Lazenby's done no acting, mm-hmm. but he says, "You know what? If you stick, if you stick with us, I'll make you an actor." Yeah. And then he's like, "I've worked on cars, and I've heard I would be uh, working." And with I worked the- on cars too. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, but I heard uh, I may be working uh, with the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car as well. And, uh, you know, and I, I think I, I'm, it's, just, it's just been a dream of mine to work with a flying car. So, yeah. So, indeed. 
So they go with some screen tests for Lazenby. He does the From Russia With Love scene uh, as, as part of his screen test. Uh, but they also decide to get screen them in a kind of mock fight situation uh, or a fight scene situation where they just choreograph a quick little fight scene with some of the stunt actors to see if he can pull off the action side of Bond. Um, and when they start rolling the cameras for the test, Lazenby is getting a little uptight. He's really nervous and he pretty much immediately breaks the stuntman's nose with a punch. Oh. And oh. Cubby uh, at the scene and said, you're our Bond from that. <laughs> That's our Bond. And he, I, he liked the aggression. He liked the kind of look and the style. So from that spot on, George Lazenby I like your was toxic masculinity, kid. And so from there, uh, they decide to kind of develop Honor Majesty's Secret Service officially. Uh, Peter Hunt and Mavon work on the script and decide to... Uh, they want to go back to the source and, and really try to make it like the Ian Fleming novels, kind of get away from the gadgets and really get back to the humanity right. of the Bond right. character, which is funny because that's a thing that you hear a lot over the Bond franchise. Yeah. You really realize it's an ebb and flow of like, here are all the gadget movies. Oh, we're going back to real. Oh, here are all yeah. the gadget movies. Even when we get the Brosnan, it's kind of that's what happens it, with it, him. It's, you, you hear that just as much as every Bond girl saying like, I'm not your average Bond girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, since we'll get, to, we'll get to the casting at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, first we have uh, our, we have to cast the uh, Countess Tracy D. Picano. Uh, Tracy T. What? Tracy what? D. Vicahano. V. Vicahano. Yeah, because we're Vicahano. I don't know. <laughs> it's Tracy. Tracy. <laughs> All right, Bond's, Trace. <laughs> Bond's, Bond's girlfriend and eventual wife. Spoilers for the movie. Um, is played by Diana Rigg. Uh, Diana was very eager to be part of the Bond franchise uh, for two reasons. One is that she always wanted to be in a blockbuster film, mm-hmm. uh, and this was going to be her greatest chance. And also she wanted a lot more exposure uh, to American audiences and hoping to expand her film career. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Bond franchise is still very popular in America, uh, so this was a good chance for her. Um, good on her. And then we have a uh, brand new Blofeld in this movie as yes, well. Yes, yes we do. And uh, the reason that the Blofeld role was recast is that uh, when they were going to writing the script uh, for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, they realized that this Blofeld was going to be a lot more physically involved right. with everything, and they felt that Pleasance's yeah. interpretation uh, would not work well, for it, that. Well, I mean, more so, I mean, I'll, I'll just lay it out right here. It's like more so than a recast. It's like a completely reinterpretation yes. of the character. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, But but the, the physicality of the character definitely makes sense he, he reminds me of like an evil version of like uh like billy zane or something. <laughs> like yeah, that's just kind of what he like a, like a very, like a brawler version of billy zane so our new blofeld is telly uh savalas who uh is a major uh hollywood player he was in the dirty dozen uh he was nominated for an academy award for the birdman of alcatraz mm. and he would go on for his most famous role in the television series kojak where he played a uh, kojak a, horseman no not kojak horseman just <laughs> oh. kojak um uh, where he played a, a, a detective and was on the air for, for quite a long time mm. on uh, CBS. And just to kind of uh, finish up, Ilse Strepot as Irma Blunt. Uh, Irma Bunt, the... Uh, the uh, Blunt or Bunt? It's, it's Bunt. B- I, I, I Bunt? Bunt. Irma Bunt. Like you bunt a ball. Yes. That's Not blunt. like you smoke a Blunt. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, she played the henchwoman in this movie. 
Yes, um, okay. And then Gabriel Forsuti, an Italian actress, as Mark and Draco, who is uh, Tracy's uh, father. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Has, has, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll we'll oh, talk boy. about him quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then George Baker, who was Peter Hunt's neighbor, as uh, Sir Hilary Bray. And uh, at one point in the movie, Con- or, sorry, not Connery, Lazenby's Bond uh, impersonates Bray uh, to infiltrate Blofeld's hideout. Right. And um, Baker also did all the voiceover. Uh, so that uh, it would kind of match his voice as Bond doing an impersonation of him, uh, which Lazenby was upset. Wait, what? Yeah. So when when Bond's as Hillary Bray. Yeah. So at one point in this movie, Bond goes undercover. Yeah. Like with a disguise and everything. And so Baker did the voice for all the times that uh, Lazenby was undercover. Really? Yes. Huh. Hmm. Which Lazenby was upset because he practiced a lot the yeah. the at voice, and then they just kind of. That's interesting because like that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I mean obviously the final product is all that really matters. But yeah. it's kind of like oh man, I thought that was that was actually they like tricked a, me. Yeah, I mean, if anything, yeah. all right, maybe maybe I'm like okay, that's fine. I almost knocked all right, over my so, orange juice. So uh, now let's get to some of the filming. You okay. know, this is always yes. fun, right? Yeah. Um. So remember uh, one of the reasons that they couldn't do. Uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service after Thunderball was the poor Swiss winter, uh, and they couldn't film in the locations that they wanted to. Right. Uh, this one was an okay Swiss winter. Okay. They did get some snow, but it's it didn't like seem... It's like a fine Swiss winter. It's a fine Swiss winter. Yeah. Uh, so they were trying to uh, go to other places in Switzerland uh, to where there was heavier snowfall, but they were snatched up by other film productions. So their uh, winter uh, skiing stuff uh, went uh, 56 days over schedule because they were waiting for a good snowfall. And they eventually got it, and it does look good in the movie. Um, the, one of the major sets that they have, or not a set, but one of the major locations is Blo- the exterior of Blofeld's hideout. Uh, the Pease Gloria uh, was at just a restaurant that they were building on top of one of the mountains mm-hmm. over in the Swiss Alps. Um, and they wanted to use the location, but the restaurant wasn't finished. Uh, but the construction and the restaurant owners agreed that if Eon paid to provide the electricity and build a helipad, uh, they would be able to use the um, use the restaurant as a location at a discounted price. And eventually, when the restaurant did open, it's still in operation today. And actually, you can see it uh, in the Kingsman trailer, uh, the new Kingsman Golden Circle trailer. The oh, same, right. Same yeah, location. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but they named the restaurant after the location, Piz Gloria, in the movie. Oh, that's uh, cool. And kind of have a little bit of a bond basis for it. That's awesome. Um, so Johnny Jordan, as you remember, guy who got his foot cut off uh, the last movie. Yes. He returns uh, to do the aerial photography. And, when he, and, and, and to just reiterate, got his foot cut off after landing in a uh, doctor's convention, yes, right? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, b- or yes. Um, he returns to do the aerial photography in this movie. In, in between the time that uh, between uh, You Only Live Twice and Honor Majesty's Secret Service, he had developed uh, a new kind of harness that would put him underneath the helicopter, which would give him total control to film wherever he'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, please tell me he lost his other foot. He did not. Yeah. Um, he died. <laughs> he actually, uh, so Johnny Jordan, uh, second unit director John Glenn, who would go on to be a main Bond director, uh, also the editor on this movie, John Glenn, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, champion skiller uh, Willie Bogner, uh, all worked together to kind of figure out how to most effectively shoot the skiing scenes uh, throughout the movie. Um, and also, they also worked together to do the bobsled run sequence, mm-hmm. uh, which was on a very dangerous uh, section of track uh, that had been closed down years earlier because a couple people died 
on the wow. track for going too fast. It, it is interesting hearing about like some of like the stunts in it because it, you would almost be forgiving to feel like it wouldn't have been that much because there's such a like a massive amount of green screen yes. work in this movie. Yes. So the the notion that like this was something like I mean obviously in all filmmaking you have to take safety precautions yeah. but Well one of the things I should mention is Willie Bogner not only did a lot of the skiing stunts, yeah. but he was also uh, one of the official skiing cameraman mm-hmm. of the film. So he had a handheld camera and he would do a lot of shots uh, and they said that basically he he could ski however he wanted him forwards, backwards, sideways. Uh, one of the things that they did um, for these scenes was that actually they started re-editing the script to incorporate some of the accidents and little kind of issues that they had when filming both the skiing and the bobsled sequence. So, for example, there's that shot in the movie where Bond and Blofeld are fighting on the on the bobsled, and Bond kind of falls off and starts like running after Blofeld. Uh-huh. That was just based on the fact that like the stuntman for Bond actually did fall off. That oh, way. that's awesome! So, because that's probably one of the best little stunts of that. Yeah. Of that, so basically, that they chase. they worked a lot to kind of maximize the effectiveness of these sequences uh, together, and to kind of how everybody pitched into a Bond movie. This is kind of a a, a prime example of it. That's just mm. the second unit. Basically, it was like, we'll we'll do all these things. <laughs> uh, also, there's an avalanche in this movie. Yeah. The original intention was that they were going to film an actual avalanche in uh, partnership with the Swiss Army. Unfortunately, the mountain naturally avalanched before they could get a chance to film it. <laughs> uh, so the avalanche Hubris. was all done in miniatures. Uh, the arrogance and, of man. And uh, um, optical effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main storyline of this movie is the tension on set Mm -hmm. uh, because there was a lot of nerves around the fact that this was a new Bond um, and this was a new, like a first-time director, a new Bond, not really knowing the future of the franchise. And not to kind of... Lazenby would admit this later, and we'll talk about it a little bit later as well, uh, but Lazenby was kind of a mess and kind of an asshole on the production of this movie. Um, He would pretty much refuse to listen to, you know, people. He was, he was, he's the youngest Bond ever. He was 28 during filming, 29 when the film released. And there was that kind of sense of like, I'm Bond, I can do anything that I want. So at one point against instruction, he started skiing on his own mm-hmm. uh, during the skiing sequence and broke his arm. <laughs> uh, and so some of the Blofeld scenes where he's, he's talking to Blofeld, he's in that very big coat. One of the reasons is to hide the fact that his arm was basically in a cast. Mm-hmm. Um, also, at one point, um, during kind of the wedding sequence, uh, during a little break for that, they decided to go horseback riding, uh, him and Barnard Lee, who is M, uh, and Lazenby wanted to show off his kind of skills, which he didn't really have. He wasn't really an expert in horseback riding, mm-hmm. uh, but he decided, hey, I'm Bond. I can do whatever I want. So <laughs> he kind of got a little out of control, knocked Barnard Lee off of his horse into a thorn bush, and uh, gravely injured uh, 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 Lee's leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of a big deal on set because that's Bernard Lee. And that's one of the, the st- not only a legendary actor, but like one of the big hallmarks of the Bond franchise is his performance as M, especially in this movie. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot to do. So that was a big deal. Um, also, his uh, youth was exposed, or um, not exposed, his youth was kind of taken advantage of mm-hmm. uh, by Telly Savalas. Because uh, Telly was a big poker player, and every day they would get their kind of per day pay for food and, and all that, all that, what have you, in cash. So Telly basically tricked Lazenby into playing a poker game, 
and took all of his money. <laughs> at, w- at, w- at which point Harry Saltzman stepped in and won all of Lazenby's monies back, gave it back to Lazenby and said, don't mess with my boy. <laughs> so he had support on set, but he kind of lost Cubby's support in one of the bigger kind of stories and basically one of the biggest tension breakers of the movie is that there was a there was a lot of tension on set and Cubby relayed that to his wife. So Cubby's wife decided to hold a big party for everybody. And he, <coughs> he, would, he would just put out flyers. He put an end for everybody, drivers, stuntmen, cameramen, catering, everybody. It was just this big party. Uh, and Lazenby was at the party with everybody because all the stars were invited to. And he was visibly upset. And like he, he had that kind of upset face where like everybody's like, no, something wrong with him. But he's like not saying anything. Right. Cubby's wife comes up to me. He's like, "What's wrong? Like, what's 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 bothering you?" He's like, "Well, I wasn't invited to this party." And she's like, "What are you talking about? Everybody is party, but I'm the star. <laughs> I I didn't get a personal invitation." Oh no! Don't and then that Cubby way. Cubby came up to him. It's like, "You don't decide you're a star. I don't decide you're a star. The public decides if you're a star, and the public hasn't seen you yet. Yeah. yeah. So calm down. <laughs> calm down. Right. No. Um, being a little a little over dramatic. Being a little drama queen. Yeah. Um. And Diva. even with Diana Rigg, she, he had a couple issues with her. Um, for example, uh, when they were doing the driving sequence and Diana and Peter Hunt were having a discussion inside with uh, with some champagne and, and Lazenby knew that they were inside and felt that all, all the crew is being all stomping and, and making sure that the, the ice stays nice and they're all freezing to death out there. And Diana was warm inside with some champagne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she was having... They, they did most of their own stunts in that car sequence because there were so many close-ups of them. Mm-hmm. And Diana had a little trouble initially driving. And, and Lazenby started going off at her for like drinking and driving and, and, and doing the crew. And then Diana basically like yelled at him back, explaining like she was sick. She was talking to Peter if she could do it. She wanted to do it. Peter didn't want her to do it. So there was just kind of a lot of tension on set, which... Uh, some of it was over-exaggerated by the press, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Uh, uh, naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, there was a scene where before their, one of their big love scenes, uh, they were in the cafeteria, and Diana jokingly said, oh, I'm, I'm eating a lot of garlic today, darling. I hope you're ready for it. Uh, <laughs> and the press kind of said, like, oh, they're having issues on set. Right, right. Um, so, and, and also the inexperience of Lazenby. He did the best he could, but sometimes he felt that he wasn't getting the proper coaching or, or the proper help and that he was kind of ignored uh, for the, you know, for the help that he needed, mm-hmm. which led to Lazenby announcing near the end of production that he would be leaving <laughs> the Bond role as well. Um, so new guy comes in, is a diva, and then decides I'm exiting out of my own terms. Um, yeah. So one of the reasons was that he said That's he wasn't, wasn't happy with the production and the producers um, for. Uh, the the way that they treated him and then another reason that he would admit later is that he thought the bond franchise was going to be done because he saw films like the graduate and easy rider and he saw kind of the the culture of the 70s mm-hmm. the liberated 70s and he was basically like oh th- this this guy in a suit this womanizer in a suit he's not going to go anywhere he's not going to continue right. on uh, so, so another person in the film industry who thinks that they know where yeah. the, what the flow and of uh, entertainment yes. is going to be. And everybody was stunned by this decision because um, he he had a seven film contract lined up, bound to be like a star, mm-hmm. and he just didn't see it that way. Um, 
in fact, in spite, to spite the producers, he started growing out his hair and his beard and, and took that to the premiere of the movie, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the producer's like, oh, you got to look like your Bond. You know, we're, we're presenting you as Bond. Like, you know, please be like Bond. And he looked, he looked like a caveman right. by the time he got to the so premiere. So he's just an asshole. Yeah. I do have a, I have a like. quote from a Diana Rigg. Yeah, okay. Uh, who who uh, had this quote shortly after. This role made Sean Connery a millionaire. I truly don't know what's happening in George's mind, so I can't speak. I can only speak for my reaction. I think it's a pretty foolish move. I think he can bear to do an apprenticeship with everybody has this in this business has to do, has to do. <laughs> then he should do it quietly and with humility. Everybody has to do it. There are a few instant successes in this film industry, and the instant successes are usually ones who associate with someone who is willing to learn, and he is bloody impossible. Right. And then basically, he also Lazenby also said later, uh, or, or in this kind of era, when he was growing his beard, he said, Bond is a brute. I've already put him behind me. I will never play him again. Peace. That's the <laughs> message. Now, I pretty much prefer being a car salesman to a stereotyped James Bond. Everybody thinks I'm insane. They thought it was a publicity stunt, but I'm doing my own thing. I mean, he said peace, right? Yes. He, I, that's kind of the sign of an asshole right there or some or a jerk at the very least then he also says fantasy doesn't interest me reality does right which you and, know and as you know cars are real so he uh, was an asshole he he kind of was he, he regrets it later i mean like he said in recent interviews he has had a documentary come out called becoming bond which is about his kind of life story and, and that era of his life specifically uh, oh, he's becoming bond about him yes oh okay yeah because uh, he's he's kind of that one. Everybody's fascinated with Lazenby because he is the one-time Bond. Classic case of uh, actor versus producer. Yeah, who's who's really to blame? The actor. <laughs> yeah, no, Lazenby's kind of kind of kind of made a mess of this whole situation. Yeah, yeah. Let me just get because this is our new Bond, so I guess I should talk about like what I think of him just, as a Bond. Yeah, and I I he's he's not that bad. In fact, I think that. In the first maybe half of the movie, which we'll talk about in the minute, I think he's like, oh, he's actually he's like pretty good. He's pretty charming, and it's not. It doesn't feel like a carbon copy of of Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of things that Sean Connery, and it's mostly material based, but there was kind of like kind of started to feel like a little gross, like some of the things that would happen. I mean, I've talked all, all yeah, about yeah. like you know just the relationship with women and everything, um, and it, it kind of felt like a little bit more like smooth like he kind of felt like a little bit more there there was a few things in this movie that he does he's like okay this kind of feels like like an actual like secret agent hero or something like that so i I think i was a little bit more entertained by him in this movie than i think i was sean in the last one yeah i would agree Uh, i I think because i think like at least for uh, the filming part that lazenby's into it like and again it's like when connery's at his best those like first four movies i just think for me it's like any any of the things I would say bad about uh, Lazenby is mostly there's a there's a slight shift in what he's given to do in the first half of this movie versus the second half of this movie, which I'll talk about. But I do think that he lives. There's some key moments in here where I'm like, oh, he 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 is quite good. So, uh, which is interesting because I didn't think any of that assholishness bled into no. the character that much, which yeah. is you know it's, it's a it's a credit to him. So um, yeah, so that that's all I have to say. All right. About uh, that. So you want to start talking about the movie? Improper? Let's get into the movie. What's this movie called again? Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Here we go. It's all right. It's quite all right, really. She's having a rest. 
And we're back. I hope you enjoyed uh, that quote. Yeah. That classic quote. The, the, the most classic of On Her Majesty's Secret Service quotes. Maybe it was the one about chickens. Maybe it was... Um, I don't know. Maybe it was the end. Yeah, may, may, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it was the end. I think. Yeah. Now that you mention it, it probably will be the end. Yeah. I'll just put the end in here. I can't remember uh, any quotes from this movie because uh, this movie is. Uh, this oh might my be one of God. our first like different opinion. What ones. a snooze! <laughs> what a snooze fest! It's. Uh, oh it's definitely a smaller scale bond. Oh my God. All right. So I think this movie is ultimately for me going to rank definitely towards the bottom but more so in the in the case of uh more so in the Iron Man 2 case not necessarily the uh uh where what was the what's the other worst one that we don't like Iron Man 3 <laughs> No 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 oh, no no, no the Bond movie it was Thunderball like you know what Thunderball in this movie to me are a lot like Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 where it's like there's a lot of like shit I can follow in Iron Man 3 but I just like don't really like it at Mm -hmm. the end of the day like I get what it's doing but I I don't like it Iron Man 2 is just kind of like bleh like it's not necessarily bad it's just kind of like there's like it's just it's just and that that's kind of what this was in a certain sense and I've gone back and like kind of as I do and which should be the ongoing uh, segment in the Bond episodes is where you explain the plot to me because I'm too dumb to follow a James Bond plot. But there, there is a certain point where two things happen. One, I thought, I honestly thought that this, you were going to tell me in the making of this movie that it was two different movies put into one movie. Because, like, we get into a second half of the movie and I'm like, what did that have to do with any of the shit that we did in the first half? And and second and second, this continues the bond trend of me yelling at the screen, do something! <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what it like what 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 is the goal? What is the mission? <laughs> like what what and the thing is like I and I get like as we get into it, it's like all in there, like they do technically say what's going on, but it's like I feel like this is kind of like when you look at especially like when you look at modern blockbusters mm-hmm. or like or even modern bomb movies as they go along yeah. not even modern ones like when you get to them later like there there there's like a there there's like a there's like a pace to it there's like a cadence to like yeah. the to the to the beat of the narrative and it's like you feel like it's always forward moving and like you you get what's going on there's with this one and the last one, it just feels like the Bond movies kind of meander a little bit in, mm. in, in, through, through the mission. As opposed to going on the mission, they just like casually stroll through it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to begin, Will? I mean, what's it? So, like, what's the what, what's it about, really? So, like, basically. And, and again, here, Bond, here, here's our Bond segment. Tell me what's going on at this movie. So, the essential <laughs> idea is that. Uh, uh, Bond is still on his mission to find Blofeld. Right. But uh, M takes him off the case uh, because he's... It's been two years. It's been two years uh, since they've lost him before. And essentially, Bond decides to go rogue and put put his own spin on the mission to find Blofeld and discovers a... uh, a conspiracy of biological warfare Mm -hmm. uh, that threatens to... uh, 
save Blofeld. I do like because I think we've talked about we must have talked about this on another episode where it's almost become become kind of a cliche now for in like our action blockbusters for like the hero's gone rogue. Yeah. Like you know that that's kind of like that. I, I think that may have happened. I mean, in, he doesn't really go rogue. He just decides to just do it on his right. Own. But it's funny. Well, that's my point. Was like so. I think in the Craig movies, how many times has he gone rogue? <laughs> I think, has he gone rogue in every Craig movie? Pretty almost, I guess, yeah. Anyway, so going back to it, it's just funny. Like, in this one, he goes rogue, but he very professionally goes rogue. Like, he gives in his two-week notice. He um, has Money Penny uh, draft up a uh, letter of... uh, resignation and yeah. it's like it's very polite like yeah. you know back then it's like you just didn't go rogue like you, yeah. you know you were polite about it um yeah so basically that's that's kind of the idea right. it's a very much a smaller stakes movie right. uh than what we've seen before it, it's also, very much like the, the 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 world domination aspects of it are very much kind of lower key than like I'm going to, sh- to, to, to start a nuclear war. Right, I'm gonna, exactly. I'm going to launch these two nukes at two random locations. Yeah. It's like it was very. It's very much kind of more so in that kind of Goldfinger realm of like, it's it's a very kind of smaller plot that right. would lead into kind of a, a a end of civilization world domination scenario. Right. That right. opposed to like kind of the big bomb and in space stakes of the past two movies so which i think kind of makes it interesting for me and one of the things i really like about this movie is that it is kind of a smaller bond adventure and kind of captures a lot more of the elements of what can make the bond character interesting and kind of unique as opposed to just kind of being just a secret agent just kind of the elements of him going around doing the investigation taking the stuff you know having the charm having the fun and uh, having the the action, and I think that kind of that's kind of in in a brief, vague nutshell, kind of what captures me about this movie. I think I, I think um, I'm with you, and I'm not with you for a certain. I, I do think that the the scaled it is scaled down properly, but I do think that there are some plot elements of the bad guys plot that like are left a little bit like too vague i think i think they like say what's going on but i yeah. don't think it gi- it's given the proper weight to really understand like mm-hmm. what it would be the ramifications of that um and and it really yeah, it's, doesn't like, it's, get wrapped up like the bad guys plot like they kind of do something about it but there's like there's strands of that plot line that are just kind of like left dangling yeah um but uh Which i will explain it some point, okay by the way uh but like my so my question about this movie was sure. It's very strange because in many ways there's elements of it where it is like a retrospective of the last like five Bond movies and then like almost it like plays as like a like a final Bond movie. One of the things is that they they were very worried about whether or not people were going to see it as the same Bond. So the original script for this movie featured a little plot device where Bond had gotten um, plastic surgery because everybody was too easily recognizing him right, okay. but then but then they decided it's like no we're just going to ignore the change but the way that they kind of said oh this is like the previous bond is is adding references to mm-hmm. the previous right. bond films which this so this movie opens up on in a, in a moment i thought was pretty cool and but another thing technically about this movie which i found interesting especially it being directed by an editor which it seemed like they wanted to be a little bit more um a little bit more creative and a little bit more loose with the uh, construction of a scene. That is all uh, very evident in this first scene in this movie in which Bond is... And I do give him credit that they do... 
do give a good they give a good uh, effort into like really introducing this new Bond. He's driving in the car. It's close ups of him like smoking a cigarette and mm-hmm. you know like you know driving. And um, so he goes uh, into to the shore, and a woman is about. I guess she's about to. Like you know, try to drown herself. Yes. Well, he goes out and he and he rescues her, and a fight scene starts. It's very how Christopher Nolan directs an action scene. And for those of you, and to clarify that, Christopher Nolan doesn't really know how to properly edit and construct an action scene, but he's but the what's going on is so good, like it makes you kind of ignore that. And by that, I mean like the geography of a scene, like like it'll be like Bond knocks the guy on the ground, and the neck, and it cuts to like. That guy, that same guy, like flipping Bond over his shoulder. Right. So there's a lot of like that in this scene, and it's so, but it's so like quick and so kind of like it really does a good job of introducing the. All right, this guy. I like it when the Bond movies. I think the Craig movies kind of maybe go a little bit overboard with this, but I do like how the, they when they do remind you that like oh no bond is like a secret agent uh assassin killer guy as well yeah like at one point he like like drowns the guy in the ocean so all that so all that stuff is cool and then the girl like drives off does he drive off with her car or she just drives to her car and she, she drives she away? drives to her car and yeah. she drives away yeah. and then and then bond goes up somewhat looking at the screen not entirely and then says this would ne- this would never have happened to the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that that's fun. Yeah. That, Which was that actually because also another fun fact that was a line that Lazenby was giving like kind of internally. Right. Like like one time he was they were doing the cable car like when he's like on the cable car and he was hanging up for a while and he's like, oh, this would have never happened to the other guy. Mm-hmm. And then, so they when they went to film the first scene, Hunt's like, just say that line you always say. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a good way to kind of right like, no, ease I, the I thought- audience into it. Um, yeah, I think that first scene is actually very well done and just in terms of kind of almost in in this sense of like doing it for the first time of introducing a new bond for the first time it's almost kind of ideal just to kind of the close-ups like kind of the, the you know it's bond but just the kind of the mystery and just kind of like right. the kind of the sly referencing to it but also just the fact that it's like it's just bond he's fighting there's a girl you know kind of the simple nature of it right exactly um so so then it, it goes on and it and it opens up in a pretty cool way we see the uh What's it called? The, uh, the the hat getting thrown onto the onto yeah. the thing again. Yep. Uh, the follow up of Blofeld is is really cool. Uh, th- this was the movie though where I'm like I completely understand why they're doing what they're doing with Money Penny in the new movies mm-hmm. because I can definitely see and maybe for like hardcore Bond fans there's like some. And for the people making these movies, there's some charm on the ongoing gag of Money Penny, and he's like, "Oh, I, how come you've never taken me out to dinner, James?" Like we're the sixth movie in, and I'm sick of it. <laughs> like it's like if you're not gonna seal the deal, like then because at this point, like they have no other like character stuff going on other than like she's just thirsty for Bond and he's just a ball tease. Like it's like there's nothing going on. They have a sweet moment at the end, granted, but yeah, it, which we'll talk. It, about, yeah, but, it's um, not. It's not great. I, and then I still think that there are there are ways to do it where it's still charming. And I think that especially in the more films, I think that the way that more because I mean, it's, it's more, but a way of more and Lois Maxwell play it, I mm-hmm. think can be a little bit stronger because right. they play that one a little bit more playfully and a little okay. bit more like obviously like we're just kind of teasing each other type of way. Whereas like this one is more so like 
you know, I don't know, maybe maybe in between the dinner and you know, maybe in between the mission and, and the and the wedding, maybe they did go out to there. You don't you don't yeah. know. You don't yeah. know. You it don't needs know. to happen on screen, Nick. I need to see it on screen. Um, um so but then so we kinda get that sort of stuff, but we also get um the casino sequence. Right. Uh which really gets us introduced to the character of Tracy. Ooh, so do I get to talk about this this film's Bond girl? You do. Do okay. you want do you want to start talking about Tracy? Uh okay, here's the thing. I actually think upon thinking about it a little bit more, I, I think she's probably one of my favorite Bond girls. So I, would, far, I would agree, yeah. I wrote but so with a caveat, only because I don't find anything about her that offensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I think she's good and I think much like uh Lazenby himself, there's a few cute moments of pure chemistry which is interesting again because it's like you know the tension between them Mm -hmm. but i I thought there was like pure there was good chemistry between them in in certain scenes um but but man like she first of all so i I, so basically they they start to fall in love i don't know why but they start to fall in love and they uh and eventually it ends up that they're going to get married yeah, you skipped over a lot of the plot, but yes, that it, is, that it, is, yeah, is. whatever. It's like that, that's what happens with this character. Uh, and then, but at that point when they were talking about getting married, I was like, I, I told, I turned to Nick and I was like, you know, when they first met each other, Bond like just smacked her. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be fair, it was, it was she had a gun. She had a gun. Man. She had a gun pointed to hey, her. Like, wouldn't you slap someone if you had a gun? But that's uh. what, but. What I would say is then it's red flags everywhere. It's a red flag for him. It's a red flag for her. Like you know, she's pointing guns. He's slapping people. You can't. You can't have that. You can't marry that guy. But maybe you know, it's the red flags that bring them together. Maybe the the red flags turn into a bigger red flag that is a heart. Right. Love. I did feel like the reason it, it, even though like that was kind of like the reason it it wasn't as gross to me as maybe some of like the the Connery ones was because it didn't feel as like overpowering like you know right. what i mean yeah. like it kind of like seemed like oh that was just kind of like when they were enemies um but then at another point she just get like okay so what happens with her is like she uh we find out that they're that her father is and what's his deal the father he's basically uh a, a crime lord okay he's a crime lord like he he his his cover is that he's in construction. Okay. But basically he's kind of like a, a crime right. lord. And like that's why he says like some of he could he eventually helps Bond find Blofeld because some of his men defected from his crime organizations gotcha. towards to Blofeld. Gotcha. So he's a crime lord and basically he uh, he kidnaps Bond, but he's like kind of like, Oh, I'm not so bad of a guy. And what he's saying is like, All right, I want I want to pay you to marry my daughter because my daughter's had a really rough rough past and all she needs is a good man in which and I'm paraphrasing some of the lines here where it's like my daughter needs somebody who's gonna like dominate her somebody who would make love to her until she loves him and I'm just like oh my god what well at least Bond is rejecting that sentiment yeah Bond's like I'm not that kind of guy (laughs) and he's like I don't know it's like he's Bond's like that's kind of weird yeah like even though, like he does say, it's like, but I will continue, you know, philandering with her if it, like, well, if I you think give Bond me. Bond likes her, but I don't yeah. think he wants like the the thing over his head where it's like, oh, I'm getting paid to like right, her. Exactly. Like, he, uh, but no, yeah, but, but at was, a certain point, can I? Uh, yeah. The last thing I'll say about her is eventually, like, so they're about to escape, like the the evil lair at the end of the movie, and the father has come to help them, and then like she's like, oh, don't leave Bond in there, and he's like, he's, it's like he can take care of himself, and then just knocks her out. 
closed fist. It was like seconds from blowing up away, dude. Just, like just, it was just, just drag her in. Just you have a bunch of guys there. Just drag her in. Just just t- closed fist knocks her out. And then later on, they're still joking. Remember to listen to your man. And she's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, what is what? Her her dad is very very specific about oh about. Um, if it wasn't my, for the hitting, he would be funny. But yeah. then he just just punched her. <laughs> um, I really like. I do like the chemistry between Bond and Tracy. And to me, it almost makes sense that she would be the one that he marries, yeah. only because he, she's the one that can kind of, in a in a sense, match those wits and kind of do you know their initial scenes and their kind of arguments and their little like kind of discussions with each other. You can kind of feel just a difference from previous Bond girls and their relationships. Right, right. There is there there. I I feel like there is an actual connection between. The, I feel. The two. I feel like, a I, 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 I feel it, and um, I did think that. But this is where, and the, this is kind of going into my biggest issue, where I talk about meandering through the movie because there's a lot of that going on, and I'm not quite certain at like what is the what is the trajectory of the plot going on here, and eventually, like he finds out where Blofeld is. Yeah, so Blofeld right now is kind of in uh, undercover as as a um, a the leader of a a health clinic that is specialization in getting rid of um, allergies mm-hmm. and kind of uh, like fears. Like right. Phobias. Phobias, yes. Right. But it's like, because, and, and this was the point when they move on to this subject line where he goes up into like the mountains to like to this evil lair facility. And at, cer- at a certain point, I was like, what did this have to do with him falling in love with this chick and this other guy? And they go to a horse race at one point. And it was like, and that's when I felt like, was this two different movies put together? And then eventually, like, she makes her way back into the story. Yeah. And, like, I mean, a fine, it's like an okay way. She's just like, oh, I, I found out where you were, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, but also, I think Diana Rigg is very attractive in this movie. Oh, she, no, it's beautiful. Yeah, very beautiful. And I think um, she does a she does a, she does a great job, like yeah. performance wise. Uh, but since we're talking about the Blofeld side of things, you want to yeah. you want to start talking about uh, Blofeld I mean, like and, I said, and, and he's his, Billy and Zane in his chicken plan. He's bi- <laughs> he's Billy Zane Blofeld. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it's kind so, of. Weird, like yeah. I said, it's like more so than a recasting. Like there's, other than being bald, there's nothing recognizable about him being Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Like in terms the, of at least what's established before, right? Uh, with Blofeld, there's no cat, what, what, there's no scar. No, there, there, you actually you missed the cat. Okay, I mean, cat, I was basically they, I they the had cat. like a they had an overhead shot where he's petting the cat. Um, okay, all right. Um, I would say that at one point this movie just turns into like a low key Superman movie because so Bond. The, re- the way Bond gets into Peace Gloria and to kind of Blofeld's lair is that he is um, under disguise as genealogist Sir Hilary Bray. And, and as a note to the Bond fandom here, in the, uh, in the scene where Bond uh, meets Bray, they, they discover his, uh, family, or his family crest, which features the family motto, the Bond family motto, the world is not enough, mm-hmm. which is in fact where the okay, title yeah. from "For the World Is Not Enough" right. eventually came from. So that's a little cool fact. Yeah, no. Uh, that but is, basically, yeah. so he goes undercover as Hillary Bray and is a dead ringer for Clark Kent. Like in his, like he has glasses. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's kind of like. Oh, this this was a part I loved because I did love how 
we this was a side of Bond that you know he is a secret agent and he's going in character and in espionage and everything. Yeah. But it was convincing too. Yeah. Like I get like why because he was almost unrecognizable in mm-hmm. that scene and as he, well. He did yeah. A, yeah. And to, obviously the voice was overdubbed, but just oh, everything about it was great with the coat and the glasses and kind of the way that he acted a little bit more nebbish, a little bit more awkward. A- absolutely. Kind of that sort yeah. of thing. But I was gonna say because basically he goes into Blofeld's lair and the underground part looks like the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. And then also like tell could make a fine Lex Luthor like if you really yeah, thought about yeah, it uh-huh. so basically it's like it just seemed like it was a discussion be like Clark Kent and Lex Luthor is with with him trying to discover his plan so the reason he's undercover is Hillary Bray is that uh, Blofeld is trying to claim that he's a, a heir to the uh, Count du Blouchamp or right. whatever it is the, the the heir to kind of a, a, a counthood as it were uh, and Bond is trying to s- sneakily suggested he get out of switzerland to to look at the tombs of his ancestors right because switzerland has um i forget what you call it but oh it's like they can um they can't arrest people for foreign crimes in switzerland so he's trying to get them out of switzerland and stuff Mm. while also discovering uh this mysterious extradition is that what it's extradition yes Uh um and we'll also disco- we're educated. Yes, <laughs> like we're very. We went, smart. We went to college, <laughs> yeah. folks. Uh, also discovering um, the women that inhibit the yeah. facility and the the patients and kind of the weird nature of, now, of everything here. I, I would have to say, like this is kind of like that over the top making fun of a Bond thing that's like kind of charming, where he goes into this room and it's just a room full of women mm-hmm. and all like of different like from different. Parts of the world. Parts of the world and of different ethnicities. And to the to the point that even in the credits, they're uh, except for with the exception of one, uh, they're all names are just like uh, like um, lo- like London or China or yeah. <laughs> Africa, like things like that, which is like, yeah, I mean, it's still kind of dumb, but it's like a little bit silly and fun. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like and but and it's kind of like. They're a little bit like doting over, like, oh, it's a man, but kind of like in a weird, yeah, like, like way. It's like they're all like kind of like one has like these weird glasses, yeah, and- like, and it's funny because they get rid of all, they put all the the stereotypes of what you would find sexy and like the one girl puts on the glasses and they all are eating like weird food for their meal like one's just eating corn and the other one's just eating slices of chicken and the other is just eating all vegetables and it's like because that was all their phobias yeah right yeah yeah. because one was like oh i used to i used to break out whenever i had chicken and now i'm it's my favorite food yeah so i guess and then at the end we find out that he is using these women to hypnotize them so to when they when he sends them back to their different portions of the world that they can um, unleash like a bioweapon yes that they were yes. given mm-hmm. and then the rest of it like I mean that that is kind of I mean to me I have really nothing else to say about yeah, the no, rest I mean, of the I mean I like yeah, I like the just... the oh wait no we forgot one thing the one important thing which so. He's on his escape from Blofeld. Yeah. And he's going through this village. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is a very interesting scene because one of the things about it that's I, I kind of forgot about was very interesting is that it actually shows Bond like frightened for his life. Yeah. Like, there's a point where Bond like screams because he thinks he's going to be dead. But the reason he, he actually he runs into a bear. Yeah. Like, a man in a bear suit. A man in a polar bear suit to yeah. be specific. And yeah. what's great about it is that it's not like a one-off gag. Like they're doing this thing where it's like the editing's really crazy so it's like they keep like quick cutting to like oh here's you know the henchman and here's the henchwoman and here's Bond and here's like the big cut and then they keep cutting back to the bear as part of like the it's chaos. Like, isn't it like cackling too? Yeah. It's like <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So you you think like at some point like again I kind of was kind of trying to figure out. I thought like I thought that uh, Tracy was in the bear suit for a little bit. Like I thought like she would reveal like I'm here to get you, Bond. Right. But there's this like it's just like the and the bear looks like like crazy and he's got right. his mouth open it's, and stuff. It's pretty excellent. Yeah, but I also thought that was just fun. No, and, it was fun. Yeah. yeah, I think like a lot of the action is fun in this movie. Well, so quick hits. The, he meets Becca with Tracy. They decide they're going to get married because they end up alone together in a barn. Uh, uh, originally, she was supposed to uh, propose to him, uh, but they decided that they kind of wanted the arc of the Bond character to be more so like he finally sees somebody who yeah, he wants to get with. I think it. I think it's nice. I yeah. definitely think it's nice. I still can't bring myself to say they do the necessary character work for it to get yeah. up to that I, point. I mean, I, 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 I like the relationship and I think it works, but I also wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. Um, and so he, so Bond teams up with Tracy's father to infiltrate the base and uh, destroy it once and for all, defeating <laughs> uh, Blofeld's uh, plans. Yes. And um, so then... So Tracy and Bond yeah. decide to, to have a wedding. Right. And uh, there are some really sweet... like. I, well, I, this is where I was like, wait a minute. So, is this supposed to be like the last Bond movie? Yeah. Because it's kind of like, like this would be like if the Bond franchise was a little bit more long, was a little bit longer and a little bit more connected and coherent. Mm-hmm. Then this would be where you would pepper yeah. like different characters, right? Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of sweet moments in this wedding section. Like, I think M and Bond. Uh, there's this really kind of weird moment where M talks to Tracy's father. It's like, oh yeah, no, we've been trying to capture you guys. Right, for exactly. Years. Yeah. I, I loved all that. I love yeah. that uh, Q. The Q and Bond moment I thought was awesome yeah, and no, it's like it's really excellent. defines yeah, their relationship. And I felt that that Bond, Bond throwing the hat, the money penny was really sweet. Yeah, like it really does. And then I think Q coming in with his line. Oh, he never had respect for government property. Excellent, wonderful. Like, <laughs> and it's like a really sweet sequence, and I, I feel like you do get a lot of like, oh man, they are a happy couple, and it's great. And then the end of the movie. Happens. Well, and and just and just to say real quick, like I did think that because I did feel like you know it, this was like a change of pace to really kind of show camaraderie in a different sense like you know these guys are co-workers but it was kind of cool to see that mq and money penny would go to bond's wedding yeah and that bond was the kind of guy who would invite them to the wedding mm-hmm. uh it's very extravagant the wedding but it's like it was kind of like a nice like oh like a moment to see these characters uh not just be their their you know, professional their, self, i guess yeah. we should mention accused really because again they don't do they the, gadgets the gadgets thing. so accused kind of at the beginning a little bit mm-hmm. um just as kind of a little bit of like, oh, like the where's Bond sequence, which is kind of leads into Bond. And then right. he is at the end with his moment uh, with They Bond do there. have a little bit where, again, Bond's looking through his stuff and he's like, you know, it's kind of like a retrospective scene and he finds like the, the watch from. Uh, yeah, and he finds some other items yeah. from. Um, um, so yeah, that was good. So then they, uh, so then they, uh, roll off, they drive off into the sunset into and the sunset. nothing, ever, nothing happens. No, it's, it's a, it's a happy ending except, uh, yeah, Blofeld survived the, uh, confrontation with Bond earlier. Right, cause he, cause, uh, he, Blofeld, our Bond are fighting on the blob sled and then Blofeld gets stuck in a tree and basically yeah. it's implied that he broke his neck and died, but right. he didn't. Yeah. He survived. With a, and he has a neck brace and yeah. they drive past the car, shoot, shoot at up. the car and, uh, Tracy gets killed. Um, and Bond, uh, is very, uh, very sad about that. Yeah. And then the movie ends. So there, to which I said, what the hell? Yeah. So <laughs> the original intention that Punt had was that the movie was going to end with them driving off from the wedding and that everything that happens after that, including Tracy's death was going to be the cold open of the next Bond movie. And that is what I heard about the inspirations for 
uh, Spectre mm-hmm. because like Spectre kind of ends with him going off with a girl and or with a woman and a lot of people had assumed well maybe they're going to redo what yeah. they were originally going to do and so, the next Craig movie is going to end up so with her when Lazenby announced that he was leaving they were basically like well we can't put this in the next movie right let's just tag it on the end of here and then we'll figure out from from there because uh-huh. they, they liked it they wanted that to be the ending oh that's also why the last shot is like just the bullet hole on the window mm-hmm. because that was supposed to lead into the opening credit sequence for the next movie. That was going to be like the oh, shot that led into it. Oh, I see. It. Okay. Which makes it kind of awkward in this one because like there's a little bit of moments where it's like, oh, it's like really sad music and then it stays on that shot and it's like going into the Bond theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have uh, three three minor things to say. Three minor things and we'll get to the aftermath. Uh, the, the one thing I love is, you know I love a good Bond quip. Right? You do. The quips in this movie are so funny because they start out pretty well, but then it comes to the point where Bond just always has to say one. Like, no matter where he is, what he has done, or even if anybody's in the room. So, like, at one point, oh, fuck, I can't remember, like, the quip, but he would do something where he would, like, go up on a, like, knock out a goon. Oh, no, no, no. He goes up to the goon, knocks the gun out of the goon's hand. And then knocks him out, and he's like, you know, guns make me feel uncomfortable. First of all, he said that way early in the movie, probably not even to that guy. So huh. that guy's just like, wait, what is this guy talking about? And then and then during the bobsled scene when he knocks out Blofeld, yeah. wasn't that? And then he was like, what was, do you remember no, what the I quip don't remember. was? Yeah. But he, was, he said some sort of quip as he's like dr- riding away from Blofeld, and he's like, well, you know, I guess he got branched or something yeah. like that. Like, I, I'm botching it, but that, he says something like that, but it's like, but there's nobody around. Like, what are you He's having you, fun for himself. Like, who are you talking to, Bob? But it kind of sounds like it's almost like a like a tick. Like, yeah. he needs to say a quip. Mm-hmm. He's got tick quips. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the two WTF moments was one – at the end of the bobsled scene, he ends up with, like, a cabin, like, uh, you know, like, in the background, and a St. Bernard just shows up, and then, you know, and then the St. Bernard not only shows up to him, but then just, like, lays on his back to, like, you know, frolic with Bond, and Bond's like, oh, get me a whiskey or something like right. that. But my number one WTF moment, the most hysterical moment in the end is when they raid the, the villain's lair at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Oh, everybody's yes, yes, got yes. guns like everybody's got guns they're shooting them there's a dude with a flamethrower he's lighting he's lighting people on fire like it's just it's just all-out warfare in this thing and then he goes bond goes down to the lab and there's just this one lone scientist with like a beaker of full like, of chemicals of like acid of yeah. acid and he just like just comes up and it, there's nobody else in this room just like comes into camera, throws the beaker at Bond, misses, hits the wall next to him. I think Bond like shoots him or something, and then Bond just like does this like quick double take like to the wall. It's like this, this guy just throw acid at me. <laughs> but I just love that. I want to hear that guy's story. The one scientist who knows he's like, all right, shit's getting real up there. Uh, all right, as soon as somebody comes in, I'm gonna throw this acid at them. Like that. I don't know why that made me laugh as much as it did, but those are my WTF yeah. moments. You know, overall, I think I've um, alleviated my stance on this movie a little bit, talking about okay, it. I think cool. there's a lot of fun stuff. The plot makes a little bit more sense. It's definitely, I give it points for going a little bit, scaling it a little bit back, even though I think in certain cases, scaling it back kind of like gets rid of the weight of certain scenes, so you don't really, yeah. can't really connect to certain things. I think it 
ultimately comes down to I think it just meanders a lot to the point of like, all right, really, what are we doing? Um, But I, you know, but like, you know, not not my not my not my favorite Bond. But, but I'm not I'm not gonna put it down at the bottom. I mean, it, it's ranking a little, a little too hard on it. Like you're just like, hey, yeah. buddy, like you're you're all right, kid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely ranked lower. But no. um, I would say yeah. that this so far, this is actually my third favorite of the Bond okay. films. All right. Um, just above Doctor No. At this point. All right, so aftermath. 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 There is a myth about this movie. Okay. That it bombed, and while it didn't, uh, so movie made. Uh, sixty-four point six million dollars worldwide, which is basically almost forty million less, forty to fifty million less uh, than uh, You Only Live Twice did. But this movie only had a seven million dollar budget, mm-hmm. so the movie didn't bomb. Like it didn't go to the heights of the previous Bond movies, but it was it was a success and it made its money over countless times. Um, and this was still the highest grossing movie in the U.S. that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these films are still doing extremely well in the United States. Uh, the film itself, from a review standpoint, uh, was pretty mixed uh, from at the period. Um, a lot of the press called uh, George Lazenby the Big Fry because of his uh, time at the Fry's Big Chocolate commercials. And kind of as a kind of like, uh, he was fine or okay. okay. Uh, I have some, some reviews as, as normal. Uh, of course. Lay him on me. Derek Malcolm of The Guardian says that uh, Lazaby is not a good actor, and though I never thought Sean Connery was all that stylish either, there are moments when one yearns for a little bit of his louche panache. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said that, uh, but he did like that the film was a jolly frolic in the familiar money-spitting fashion. Uh, And then the Observer's Tom Milne said that uh, he was was, uh, more upset about the movie. He said, I fervently trust that this will be the last of the James Bond films. All the pleasing oddities and eccentricities and gadgets of the earlier films have somehow been lost, leaving a routine trail through which the new James Bond strives without notable, notice, noticeable signs of animation. <laughs> you get through yeah. it. <laughs> um, and then Donald Zeck of the Daily Mirror said, uh, Lazenby looks uncomfortable in, a, in the part like a size four foot and a ten size gumboot. <laughs> um, a little harsh on Lazenby, I think. I, don't, I really yeah, don't think no, he's that uh, bad. Uh, but there were some people who liked him. Yeah. Alexander Walker said that the truth is that uh, George Lazenby is almost as good as James Bond as the man referred into this film as the other fellow. Lazenby's voice is more suave than sexy sinister, and he could pass for the other fellow's twin on the shady side of the casino. Uh, and then a final review I have is feminist film critic Molly Haskell okay. in The Village Voice says... She really loved this movie. Oh. Said, in a world and industry and particularly a genre which values the new and improved product above all, it is nothing short of miraculous to see a movie which dares to go backwards, a te- technological artifact which has normally deteriorated into a human being. I speak of the new and obsolete James Bond, played by a man named George Lazenby, who seems more comfortable in a wet tuxedo than a dry martini, more at ease at a don- as a donish genealogist than a reading playboy, and who actually dares to think that one woman who is equal is better than a thousand part-time playmates. It is, a, it is the least aggressively misogynistic of the Bonds, at least to my memory. All right, so who's Harrison Ford in this movie? Um. Oh wait, you know, remember when uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Blofeld says he's like part of like this dynasty or whatever. Mm-hmm. He should have like a picture, a picture of, of one Har- of the people, and it's like Harrison Ford up yeah. on like the thing. That's what no. It is. I I would say that Harrison Ford is just uh, like like a high roller at the not at the casino, but at the bullfighting. 
party. Yes. Like yeah. he's kind of like a major <laughs> player. He's like, get, right. um, so, but. Oh, what? We never see the scientist's face. Oh, no. Maybe he is. Maybe he's the scientist um, who throws the beaker. <laughs> um, so just to kind of, because reflectively, in terms of reflective reviews, this is a movie that a lot of people have warmed up to, and in fact, a lot yeah, of people I, do, I would assume, do yeah. say that it's one of the one of their favorites or one of their the one of the best. Uh, a lot of people will say that uh, if if this had been a Connery movie as opposed to Last and Be, that people would consider this more of the best Bond movie. But others say that this is a different Bond than Connery's, and part of the charm is the way that Last and Be plays the more down the earth Bond as opposed to the kind of bigger personality Bond. Right. Um, a name that's actually come up a lot during this episode uh-huh. says that his favorite favorite bond movie is honor majesty's secret service and that is christopher nolan oh and he also interesting nolan said that honor majesty's secret service was one of the biggest influences for inception and in fact the third act oh the third act for inception he said is a direct homage to this movie um he said on this movie um what I liked about it is we've tried to emulate in Inception is that there's a tremendous balance in the movie of action and scale and romance, romanticism and tragedy and emotion. Right. Uh, and so this is kind of one uh, that Nolan always comes back to as one of his influences. It does kind of make sense that like an action espionage movie that kind of has only kind of passable romance and like emotion in it. Is Christopher Nolan's favorite? Yeah, <laughs> like that yeah, does make a um, lot of sense. And Steven Soderbergh also says that it's his favorite Bond oh, film. Enough. Yeah. After this film, uh, Lazenby basically, because of the way he kind of went crazy and all the stuff he was saying afterwards, couldn't get any more acting work. Mm. Uh, he did write a movie and and star in a movie the next uh, in 1971 called Universal Soldier, which bombed spectacularly. Uh, he would kind of go back and forth. He would play James Bond spoofs a little bit, but he eventually went to. Being a businessman in real estate with the occasional kind of come back into Hollywood. So, all right. So, that's it. next time on, on the Bond side of things, uh, we'll have a returning Sean Connery as we head to Viva Las Vegas. Oh, in, I did in, not know that. All right. Diamonds exciting. are forever. Okay. All right. But next time, we're actually going to be a Godzilla episode in which we will not be talking about Las Vegas's or diamonds. We're going to be talking about Astro Monsters as we talk about Invasion of Astro Monster. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. So you can. Uh, I'm just going to get into the, the, the where can we find us? Yeah. I was, all right. Email bonzillapod at gmail.com, twitter.com slash bonzilla007, facebook.com slash bonzilla007. Like and subscribe, SoundCloud and iTunes. Yeah. All right. That's it for me. I'm Will. I'm Nick. Bye. Remember, diamonds are forever, but not next time. Not yeah. <laughs> diamonds are almost are almost forever. <laughs>